everybody to the first episode of the Casuals Only Football Podcast. My name is Kenny C, and I'm joined by my other two hosts, Mike Speranza and Josh Ace of Vito. We usually refer to, to Josh as the Ace. Don't let our name fool you. We are indeed diehard football fans. We've been talking football together for years now, and we figured why not start a podcast, bring entertainment to everybody out there with our talks about Anything going on with the with the past week, the, the future weeks, we're predicting games and whatnot. Everything football, we'll break it down. We'll get into it. And fellas, how are we doing today? Doing good. Excited to finally be doing this. Wanted to do this for a while now. And I'm hyped that I'm here with you guys on this Sunday morning. We got some good games coming up today. I am also really excited. I've been dying to talk about football and make a podcast for a year or two now. And we're going to go today. Let's go. Let's kick it off, fellas. The first topic that we have here today is which team will come away with the NFC East division and win it at the end of the season? Obviously, this is the worst division in football. <laughs> Whoever wants to take the mic, let's get it going. Yeah, I'll take this first. So this is probably the worst <laughs> division that I've ever seen before in all the years watching football. Um, but with that being said, I got the Eagles taking this division and for a couple reasons. One being they just, out of all the other teams, they have continuity right now. I think they have the best quarterback in the division, the best coach, and the best front office. Um, most of their key injuries, they'll come back at some point this season. And assuming they do get fully healthy, <clears throat> they will have the most talent on paper. Wentz still needs to play better, but he's also playing with a banged up offense right now. If you look at that depth chart to start the season and you look at what they have now, I mean, it's brutal. It's hard for any quarterback to succeed with that. Uh, you know, they have four offensive line starters out. Most of their skill guys are out. Miles Sanders, Alshon Jeffrey, Goddard, Ertz, Deshaun Jackson, who just came back and got hurt again. And Marquise Goodwin hasn't played either. Uh, they still do have an elite pass rush led by Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham. They do have some holes in their secondary and linebackers. And, you know, surprisingly, their defense might not be as good as Washington and the Giants, which isn't saying much. But I have them winning this division at 6-9-1. and one. They have a tough schedule coming up, but they have two division games right now. They just played Thursday, so they don't play for another week. And then they have a bye, and then they have the Giants. So they have time to get healthy. And then they have a pretty tough, you know, five games after that. They have Cleveland, Seattle, Green Bay, Saints, and Arizona, which I think those will be five L's right there. And then they'll end with Dallas. And I think they'll sweep Dallas this season. And then week 17 against Washington. So I have them winning division at 6-10-1, most likely a first-round exit although they will host the home playoff game because they won the division. Yeah, I'll, I'll piggyback right off of Mike here. I think he pretty much summed up their team perfectly. I do think as well that they will win the division, but you look at that O-line, I mean, not having Andre Dillard, not having Brandon Brooks, Jason Peters. I mean, this line has been banged up. So, you know, a healthy, healthy Eagles line is easily top five in the league. So that's obviously been a problem. Like you said, Mike, they're very low on receivers. I do like, you know, what I've seen from Greg Ward 
and from Travis Fulgham. They've picked up the slack pretty oh, well. Yeah. He's been balling out. Yeah, they've definitely been pretty good. And Jalen Rager, their rookie, who they were high on, I wasn't very high on. He's been hurt too, so he hasn't been able to prove much. But the problem for me has really been Wentz. Like, you know, obviously given the line, given the given his receivers, they have – the couple receivers that are named, they have picked up the slack pretty decently. But, I mean, you know, when you have Miles Sanders on the field, he's still really good. And Boston Scott was really good against the Giants on Thursday night. Wentz, for me, he's just been too reliant on his rushing ability. And it seems to me that it's been far superior to his ability to throw the football. He's got five rushing TDs, 185 yards. And then you look at his passing and, you know, the turnovers stand out. He's got 10 picks, 10 touchdowns, just 58.6% completions. And he's just he – I don't know if he's worth the $39 million that they're paying this guy. All right, so I also am picking the Philadelphia Eagles to win this division. And just because Kenny and Mike both went over why the Eagles win, I'm going to talk a little bit about why the Cowboys won't win. I think um, out of that four-game stretch against the Browns, Seattle, the Green Bay, and the Saints – I think they'll lose all those. I still think the Eagles can beat, have a chance at beating the Cardinals. And the Cowboys, I have three losses immediately excluding division games. But Lyle Collins, Tyron Smith, and their center, Joe Looney, are both – all three of them are an IR. Um, the backup for Zach Martin, Brandon Knight, also just recently got injured. So you already take a team that has – little to no defense, as worse as the Falcons when it comes to defense. And now you take away the O-line. Zeke has been disappointing, has four fumbles on the year. Um, then you have a backup quarterback in Andy Dalton, which I don't think is a bad quarterback. I just don't think you can take a quarterback of his caliber, put him behind a bad O-line and a bad defense, and expect them to win games. And talking about the Eagles, Lane Johnson is expected to be back next week. He had a really good game against T.J. Watt, absolutely clamped him, and T.J. Watt is having a great season. He is a pro football-focused grade one edge player in the NFL right now. They're expecting Marcus Peters to come back late in the season. So I think as the year goes on, this Eagles team will get better. Still think they're a first-round exit. They're not a good team. And I put a lot of the blame on Wentz. If you watch that Giants game, he really tried to extend plays, run away from the pass rush, and he threw up some just terrible passes. That pick by James Bradbury the fourth was just absolutely uncalled for, trying to extend the play. He got to throw the ball away and feel the pocket more. Yeah, to, for the final statement on this, to pick up on a little bit of what you said, he the same thing. He tries to be Superman too much. Mm-hmm. He tries to do too much. And it's almost like a bad thing that he's – because he's been all right with his legs a few times. He's made some plays, but yeah. he's now starting to rely on that a little bit more. And one last thing is they, there's just a couple like – the, the, the Washington football team and the Cowboys, they just have dysfunction right now. I mean, you, the Cowboys that report by Jane Slater that the players are coming out saying that the coaches don't know what they're doing, they yep. don't teach. I mean, that's not a winning football team. You're not, you don't see these legit contenders – have those sort of problems right away. And I don't really – I don't know who to blame because this is the second coach that they've had. They blamed the last coach, and yeah. he got fired. So, I mean, what's the problem now? I mean, they're paying a lot of guys a lot of money. Zeke, those fumbles were you know, pretty much cost them the game. I won't say yep. cost them, but it, it didn't help them. And Jalen Smith, they paid a lot to. He's underperformed. Uh, LVS can't stay on the field. 
So, I mean, I think the players just got to start looking at themselves. Yeah, I think, you know, another great point, the lack of unity has definitely hurt both the Cowboys and the Washington football team because the Washington football team, obviously, they, they announced Kyle Allen, the starter, last week, and then there was all that stuff with Haskins and him being too cocky, this and that. And I, I saw something like he, he brought back, like, one of his friends to the hotel last week. So th- there's a lot going on there. Yeah, he's a you mess. Know, they were very high on Haskins, and then, you know, now they're rocking with Kyle Allen. And I like Rivera, but he's been putting a, a pretty uh, sloppy mess here with this team, to say the least. So, yeah, I think the Eagles just have the most upside in this division. But moving on to the next topic, who has been – the most impressive rookie and who has been the biggest dis- disappointment of a rookie for both of you guys. Ace, you can go first on this one. Yeah, I was about to say, I'm going to start on this one. I think the best rookie in general throughout this season would be um, the wide receiver from LSU, Justin Jefferson, filling in the shoes of Stefan Diggs really well. He provides a nice deep route, which the, which the Minnesota Vikings have been lacking. Thielen is more of a slot dude. He does go deep, is a good receiver, but he's aging. Justice Severson's young. He's actually right now in the NFL before Sunday's games as of October 25th. He is fifth in the receiving yards in the NFL. He's a great route runner. I'm actually pretty surprised. He fell pretty late in the draft. I thought the Eagles would pick him up. I don't. Uh, who did the Eagles pick again, the receiver? Jalen Rager. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised. I thought Justin Jefferson was a clear choice there, and the Eagles just wanted a bunch of speed, I guess. It's not working out for them with their record right now. Um, the second on the list I would have, and just like an honorable mention, is Justin Herbert is playing his mind out right now. All, every game the Chargers have lost have been by one possession. I know Justin Herbert didn't start all of them, but he's having a great season. I think that because um, – what's his name, Justin Jefferson has played more. He's probably will come away with Offensive Rookie of the Year, having a great season. I'm excited to see where the Vikings are going to go. And if someone else wants to pick up their um, offensive, I mean, not offensive player, um, their most impressive player, and then we can do um, least impressive players. Mike, if you want to take that. Yeah, I'll take that. So for me, the most impressive rookie has been Tristan Wirfs, right tackle for the Bucks, drafted first round, 13th overall. He was the fourth tackle taken behind Andrew Thomas, Jedrick Will- Wills, <clears throat> Mackay Becton. And I feel like he's been the best so far out of the other tackles taken ahead of him. He hasn't been perfect or utterly dominant, but he's been pretty good, especially since he's gone up against Cameron Jordan week one, Brian Burns week two, Joey Bosa week four, Khalil Mack week five, and the Smith brothers week six. I mean, if you're a rookie tackle and those are the first you know, four or five games you go, your first real action, especially this year with all the the COVID stuff. And he's held up pretty well. Uh, He has some hype around his name coming out, but on most draft boards, he was second, third, or even the fourth tackle listed. Mm -hmm. And clearly the teams in the top 10 felt the same way, being that he was the fourth tackle taken. But like I said, he hasn't been dominating. He's had some help from Gronk on the chipping. But overall, he's been the most consistent and overall the best tackle so far from this 2020 class. And my guy that I'm going with is actually uh, Ace's honorable mention, and that is Justin Herbert, the sixth overall pick in this, this year's draft by the Chargers. He has done big things for this team. I know they're one and four, but individually what Herbert has been doing, 
is pretty eye-opening. Uh, his performance against some of the league's best teams, to me, is what gives me is what gives him the most impressive nod. Uh, minutes before the Week Two game, Kansas City Chiefs, Herbert was told, "Yeah, by the way, you got to go out there and you're gonna go against the reigning Super Bowl champions, and you got to start this game." So he was thrown right into the mix, literally minutes before, and was able to still ball out against the solid Chiefs game, solid Chiefs team. Obviously, they lost in overtime, but Herbert was slinging it that day. I remember watching that game thinking, damn, this rookie actually came to play. 22 for 33, 311 yards and a touchdown. Would have picked to add to that. But then you go on in week four, and he plays a great uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers team, and he drops 30 on that defense in a narrow 38 to 31 loss. 20 for 25, near perfect there. 290 yards and three touchdowns with one pick. He's just I've lo- I've loved what I've seen from him. He's got a cannon of an arm, pretty solid accuracy. There was a couple plays in particular that I saw from him rolling right off balance beam to Keenan Allen, the right side of the end zone against the Saints for a touchdown. He had a nice throw to the fourth string tight end Donald Parham Jr., left side corner against the Bucks. And I've just I really liked what I've seen from Burrow, and I think he's got a, a lot of excuse me, uh, Herbert, a lot of upside moving forward with this man. And just to add on to what Kenny just said over there, the Chargers are one missed field goal away from beating the Chiefs in that game. And exactly. one thing I like about Herbert, he's not afraid to take hits, and he's not trying to extend the play over. All right, for my worst rookie of the year, I also am a Giants fan, and I have to go out their fourth-round pick, Andrew Thomas. He's been absolutely horrendous this year. As with all offensive linemen, you only talk about them when they're doing bad, generally speaking. That's when the media only wants to talk about all linemen. But he, out of all the rookies, I got a statistic from PFF. He's the fifth, he allows the fifth most pass pressures out of all the offensive tackles taking in the draft uh, out of the first round picks. I'm sorry for that. And Malik Mekhtai Becton is 4.8%. And uh, Andrew Thomas gives up a pressure of 14.2% of pass snaps. I was really praying for the Giants to draft an offensive tackle in this draft. I thought instead of Saquon, honestly speaking, we should have got a better O-line because I think football starts in the trenches. And uh, this really interesting statistic for Jordan Randon, it's a Giants reporter for ESPN. In the Eagles game, he had a 43.8% win rate on pass blocking. And the league average for an offensive tackle is around the 87% range. Andrew Thomas, I'm not going to call him a bust. He is a rookie, and I like to see where his game develops. He's much more of a better run blocker than he is a pass blocker. But it's been absolutely disappointing for a Giants team that doesn't have Saquon. Daniel Jones cannot hold on to the ball in his pocket for his life, and he really needs a good pass blocker behind him. If For me, the most disappointing player is kind of an easy one, and it hasn't been so much about his performance – but in some ways it has, and it's Isaiah Simmons, uh, the Cardinals. Uh, he's versatile, athletic, combine warrior, inside linebacker from Clemson. He played all over the field at Clemson. He was there for four years, although he didn't play his first season. But he had all that time to learn the system and all the positions on defense. He's averaged only 13 snaps on defense this season after a rough first game. He is progress- progressing a little bit. Uh, game one against the 49ers, they tried to use him early in the first half as like a like a Kittle stopper almost. They matched him up a couple times. They put him at outside backer, 
And Kittle beat him, as you expect, pretty easily on a few routes that he ran on him. They didn't stick with that for a while. Uh, he also got beat really bad by Raheem Mostert on an angle route out of the backfield. And that was the one he took like 70 yards. So early on, he did struggle, even when he was playing. Yeah, so far, he has 38% of his snaps are at outside linebacker, 35% at inside, about 25% in the secondary. So they're trying to figure out where he fits the best. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury and Patrick Peterson both said recently that he's still learning, and there's really just no role for him right now, a significant one at least. Uh, COVID has been tough on some of these rookies, especially someone like him who they want to learn a lot of positions. We know he's a great athlete, and what we saw, we saw what we could, he could do at the combine, but he looks slow on the field, and that's not, you know, he lost athleticism. It's just he's not being decisive. He doesn't know what he's seeing right now. And that'll, that'll come eventually after more playing time. But in terms of the hype he had around him, probably the most, aside from Burrow and Chase Young, mm-hmm. who's drafted eighth overall and just hasn't had the impact yet this season. But he's someone to keep an eye on for the rest of the year. And my biggest letdown thus far is the cornerback Jeffrey Okuda, drafted third overall by the Lions out of Ohio State. While he is slowly improving now, I – believe he hasn't yet fully lived up to the hype of being the best cornerback in this draft. I know CJ Henderson was right there neck and neck with him, but he was definitely the number one guy by most guys on that draft board or most analysts uh, on their draft boards. And this is a guy whose specialty at Ohio state was man coverage and who is now in a Patricia run system that runs man coverage, not, not well, but they run man coverage overall. I mean, you know, you look at the secondary, they have been beat up. Injury riddled, Coleman Trufant, the vet Daryl Roberts, they've been in and out of the lineup. But looking at this guy individually, numbers-wise, he's been pretty awful through the first four games. He allowed 19 catches on 26 targets for 299 yards with just one interception and zero pass breakups. And his play on the ball downfield, you know, I want to see improvements on that. I watched a few plays. He was just flat-out beat. And, you know, I did. he did have that hamstring injury in week two or I think during that week, and, you know, he was battling that. But nonetheless, when it came down to going against the top dogs, and again, he is a, he is a rookie, but when he went, went against Adams and Hopkins, he got whooped for 200 yards in those games. He did have a good outing against Jacksonville last week, but, I mean, come on now, it's Jacksonville. But I'm looking forward to see, looking, um, forward to see how he progresses moving on, but that's, that's my pick. One thing to add really quick about Andrew Thomas, he actually got benched for the first quarter week four due to discipline issues. And that's just one thing that's just also made me frustrated because he is the number four pick in the draft. All right. And the next topic we have here is which last place team or which bottom team in the NFL has the most promising future. If you guys don't mind, I'll take them. I'll take the mic here and I'll go with the chargers. They're one and four right now in that AFC West, but, This is a team, like I said before, that's led by a really young and talented rookie. He's looking promising so far, and he has undoubted talent on offense with Williams and Keenan Allen. And obviously their backfield is a little banged up with Eckler, but uh, they've they've been pretty decent as a unit. Their O-line is probably middle of the road, I'd say. And... Their defense, you know, they've definitely got to make some changes. But I think they can give the Broncos and the Raiders a run for their money in the seasons to come. It's the Chiefs that are obviously the top dog. You know, playing Mahomes twice a year, that's going to require solid pressure and real good play from the back end. 
they have the pressure with Ingram and Bosa. Kenneth Murray, I've liked what he's done. That's another rookie that would have been one of my honorable mentions. Obviously, Linval Joseph in the middle. But 68 total points between the Chiefs and the Bucks in those losses combined is pretty bad. Those are obviously two top dog teams. But both games, they blew 17-point second-quarter leads. So, you know, even Gus Bradley, their D.C., said that they need to be more precise in those moments before the half concludes. You know, you can't let teams score like that because that definitely kills momentum. But, you know, Bradley's scheme is traditionally, you know, limited blitzing and a lot of zone coverage in the secondary. So, obviously, the goal there is to minimize big plays. But you got to get pressure on guys like Mahomes who are in your division and, you know, on paper coming to the season in terms of their secondary, I thought that it could have been one of the best easily. Derwin James, Desmond King, Chris Harris Jr., who they got through that trade, Casey Hayward. And obviously James was lost for the season. And, you know, Chris Harris hit the IR in week three. King has definitely taken over as their dominant slot corner. But overall, for them to improve, the offense definitely – is doing their thing. It's the defense that needs to pick up the slack, especially in the secondary. You could take this, Ace. All right. So while I agree the Chargers are doing a great job just playing NFL in general, all one-point losses, I ultimately believe that their division is going to hold them back. For a team who I think their division won't be great as long would be the Minnesota Vikings. Right now, obviously, Green Bay and the Bears are playing great. But I see Rodgers is going to turn 37 this season. In the future years, when he gets in the transition between him and Jordan Love, I think is the Vikings' time to strike. As I mentioned before, I'm really high on NFL rookie Justin Jefferson's playing well. But the thing which I really think is going to change his team around is Danielle Hunter has been hurt practically all season. And he, last year, was the first player in NFL history, fastest player in NFL history to reach 50 sacks. Great defensive end. Um, and old Ravens defensive tackle Michael Pierce, which they picked up because last year the Vikings could not defend the run for their lives, and that's why they got absolutely smoked by the 49ers in the playoffs. So I think this D-line's going to get together, play a lot better ball next year. Also, the which is huge, is the amount of picks they have I meant, yes, they did get a third and fifth out of the Yannick Nagakwe trade, but that Stefan Diggs uh, trade, I'm just going to go over it. They got a first round pick, a fifth round pick, a sixth round pick, and then in 2021 season, they're also getting another fourth round pick. So this team is going to have a lot of assets to move things around. Yes, their defense has been pretty bad this year, which I'm surprised about because I thought that D line would be great, but obviously Pierce sat out and Hunter got injured. And I think that. With Dalvin Cook, if they can keep him long-term, which is averaging over 100 yards, not over 100 yards, but almost 100 yards per carry and has seven touchdowns in the year, I think this team will be good for years to come. Yeah, I'm with uh, Kenny on this one. I, I picked the Chargers, too. Uh, and he, you hit it right on the head with some of this stuff, Kenny. Derwin James needs to get healthy. Hopefully he can play a full season next year. This is now the second season in a row he hasn't been able to play a full season. Well, he got hurt in the offseason this year. Um, they can rush the passer with four when they're healthy. Uh, when fully healthy, this is a top seven defense. Their run defense can be a bit suspect at times, uh, but they can add pieces next year. Offensively, you know, they're almost set. Skill position is great. Offensive line could also use one more piece. But Herbert, you know, if you look at some of these other rookies, he's probably landed in one of the better spots. 
Uh, he's in a solid situation in terms of the guys around him. More importantly, this is the one team that has been able to beat Kansas City and really make them work for their wins every time they play. Uh, you know, like I said, they can rush four guys. And like Kenny said, they predominantly play zone, which is how you beat the Chiefs. Rush four, just play zone in the back end. And, well, at least you have a chance to beat them. I've also liked what I've seen from Herbert. He's showing that cannon of an arm that he has, and he's looked confident and comfortable, and he's only going to get better from there. And, gentlemen, the final topic on our podcast today, the Yannick Ngakwe trade. He was traded from the Vikings to the Ravens in exchange for a 2020 third-round pick and a 2022 conditional fifth-round pick. So thoughts on this and how big of an impact will it have on that AFC North division? I know Ace is the Steeler fan, so if he wants to take this. Well, I don't think it's going to change much considering the AFC North. The Pittsburgh Steelers are 5-0, but I do not project them to win the division. I think they're either getting 11 wins or 12 wins in the season, and the Ravens are probably going to get 13 wins. So I have the Steelers either one or two games behind the Baltimore Ravens. Ultimately, from a Vikings perspective, I was very confused at this trade. Maybe he wanted out. I don't have insider information on the Vikings, but they actually got less than what they traded for to get him because they gave up a second-round pick and a fifth-round pick to acquire Nagakwe, and then they got the third and fifth to get him away. So I think he has six sacks in the seasons. I wouldn't consider him an elite pass rusher, but he is doing well, and there are some coverage sacks that he's gotten. But I think the Ravens, this is ultimately a win-now move as their team. They have a lot of young players, but they also have Ronnie Stanley. They have a lot of expensive players, and they're going to have cap issues in the future. I think this is really a move to beat the Chiefs, and I'd like to see how this defense handles them future down the road. Kenny, you could take this. Yes, yeah, so looking at Ngakwe, starting in five of the six games, two forced fumbles and five sacks. I think he's tied for the league lead right now. Uh, Zadarius Smith is in there. I think he has five. He might be tied as well on Green Bay. But, you know, this is a guy that's going to a very blitz-happy defense and easily top three in the league from front end to back end. Ranks first in the league for points allowed per game or the least allowed per game and, and sacks already. So you pair him with Matthew Judon, and that's a killer combo. Then, obviously, they got Calais Campbell in the middle there. The rookie linebacker, Patrick Queen, has been doing good things. And, you know, despite the iffy run defense overall for Ngakwe, you know, his just 11% pass rush win rate could, you know, get some work too. But I think that if you, you have Peters and Humphreys in the back end in coverage, that's definitely going to up Ngakwe's production. You look at some of his best seasons with Jacksonville, that was when, you know, the, the least amount of pressure was put on him because they had good talent in the back end with obviously AJ Bouye and uh, Jalen Ramsey. And he had he great seasons with Jacksonville there. I do like what uh, the defensive coordinator, Don Martindale dials up with all these blitzes. And I think it's going to really add to the Ravens chances of getting to the Super Bowl. The keys to beating Mahomes, like we said, are rushing four and dropping back in coverage. Well, they got the coverage down pat and now you add in Gakwe and that brings even more pressure on opposing offensive lines. Vikings, they understand that they're not winning anything this year. They they understand that they're kind of almost in a rebuild right now. Mm-hmm. And they saw that he just what he's not a dominant pass rusher. But let's keep in perspective that his first 
the first, uh, I guess, six games, he goes up against Green Bay with Bakhtiari, Indianapolis, Anthony Costanzo, solid. Titans, mm-hmm. Taylor Luan. Houston, he went up against Laramie Tunsil. Seattle, Dwayne Brown. And then the Falcons, Jake Matthews. Those are all, you could argue, those are all top 10 left tackles at their position right now. You know, he is a, he's a good pass rusher. He's not really a run stuffer. They can almost um, – he, he almost doesn't have to be a three-down player anymore. Mm-hmm. They can bring him in on third downs. And they, have, they, have, they already had depth on that D-line, and now adding him only, you know, increases the depth that they have. I know they love to blitz. You know, maybe they don't even have to blitz that much right now because they can get mm-hmm. to the quarterback with four. They have Judon. Campbell in the middle, Brandon Williams in the middle. So he's not going to get the majority of the, the attention. And he's not going to go up against these. I mean, he's gone up. I mean, Tunsil and Bakhtiar, these are elite, elite pass protectors. Nobody gets by them. But he's, you know, he's an above average pass rusher. He'll be good for them. I don't, mm-hmm. in terms of the overall AFC standings, I don't think this takes them over the Chiefs. I think in order for them to beat the Chiefs, they got a their offense has been good, but they just don't have the explosive plays that they had last year. And yeah. I'd say their defense is probably second this year behind Pittsburgh in terms of talent. Mm-hmm. But I think I already had them winning this division, and I think that this will you know they're definitely better. This didn't make them worse. But I don't think – I mean, we'll see what happens when they play the Chiefs. Well, we saw – we did see what happened this year, but I'm sure they'll face again in the playoffs. And, you know, like I said, it's, I think it's going to come down more to Lamar and the offense with these yeah. explosive plays that they're lacking. I agree. I mean, Lamar, he has not looked nearly as good as last year, but, I mean, that's definitely hard to, to top what he did last year in both – running with the football and passing the football. He was like the most effective at doing that, at doing both of those things. But yeah, I agree, Mike, you know, the defense, you just added another huge piece to it. You know, in March getting Calais Campbell was huge for a fifth round pick. They gave up, you know, practically nothing. They got Peters a year ago for a fifth round pick and linebacker Kenny Young. So they've definitely made some big moves and hasn't really cost them much. Like, like Ace said though, you know, in the future, it could be a problem with salary. But, um, yeah, I mean, Lamar and the offense, they just need to get back into that rhythm. But I do think that adding him to the defense, adding this piece to the defense, definitely impacts that division because they could give the Steelers a run for their money the next time they play them. No, yeah, no doubt. I mean, he has some sacks this year. It was like five or six. Yeah. But a lot of them, I don't – I kind of call them dummy sacks. A couple have been because of coverage. He had one against the backup. He had one against the Colts because Costanzo didn't even get off the snap. But like I said, these are also really good tackles. You know, yeah. against against average and below average tackles, he's going to have his way. You know, mm-hmm. he's a speedster. He has a really good speed rush, get to the edge fast. You know, but like I said, I don't. they almost don't even have to make him, you know, a first and second and short down player. I mean, mm-hmm. they will because they're probably going to pay him a lot of money. But they have a lot of depth, and they can almost bring him in, you know, in just passing situations. But that's what you need. This that having depth at the D line and a pass rush is a key to winning the Super Bowl or being contenders. So I mean, this was definitely this is definitely helping them. 
I overall think the Ravens' defense is a lot better than last year. It's playing great. I think Clay's Campbell is huge just for the run defense as the Titans completely, utterly exposed their lack of run defense last year. Um, also, going back to a specific play, I was kind of mad at the head coach of the Ravens. Nicole um, Hardman, when he uh, – what you call it? The corner, Humphreys, he blitzed. And then they left a backup corner on McCall Hardman running a double move for a touchdown. Ravens almost won that game against the Chiefs. I think they'll give them a run for their money this year. And I think this is their year to beat them because Calais Campbell's getting older. And this is a built now, win now team. I just think Lamar needs to pick it up on the offense and get better at passing. They want to win big. Yeah, and the Ravens, man, they got a rough next stretch. They got your boys ace the next weekend, uh, the Steelers. Then they got the Colts. Then they got the Patriots, and then Mike's boys, the Titans, and then they play the Steelers again. So this is definitely going to be a testament to if this offense can uplift them in those games. Because sure, you know, having a great defense is big, but, you know, like we saw in the Super Bowl against the Chiefs, you know, if your offense is not clicking and it can't generate points or move the football effectively, then that's going to be a problem. Now, that's not to say I think they're going to have a problem because I think Lamar and that rush attack is still dangerous as hell. They've got a really good old line. But overall, you know, if you add the pieces on defense, like Mike and I were saying, you got to be more effective on offense. He just has to play better against the Chiefs. I mean, this that Monday night game this year, you know, he was terrible. Yeah, he yeah. – in the past couple of years when they played, he's just not as dumb. I mean, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the pressure or – but he's also he's also 0-2 in the playoffs. He mm-hmm. had that stacked team last year, number one seed, playing at home. Running back through when, everybody. Yeah, back, back, oh, my God. He was the MVP. Yeah. Now he, I mean, they had fans, no COVID. It was fans last year. Everything was Everything was going against the Titans into that game. And he just – he couldn't get it done. And I think, you know, one thing he said after that Chiefs game was, you know, their game plan looked exactly like what the Titans did in the playoffs. So now there's a formula for how you beat them or at least how you contain them. And other teams are going to see that and they're going to adapt to it. But the great ones adapt. They change up their game. And you see, like, this year he – they're just – Almost, they want to keep him in the pocket. Don't even rush him. Just let him yeah. throw. Let him go through his reads. He's going to run early no matter what. And we know he's not the most accurate. He's a he's a good decision maker. He doesn't really throw a lot of bad picks. Yeah. But like I said, they're just lacking that explosiveness. And I think teams are really just keying on him. And they see how you beat them. And he's got to adapt. Other than Mark Andrews, they don't really have, like, an elite receiving threat. Like, Brown will get a couple deep balls, but, like, they don't have that person to help Lamar out. They have a great O-line, great rushing attack. There's the same receiving core as last year. Nothing changed. And they added Devin Duvernay, who I thought was really good going in. It's the same receiving core. It really does does come down to Lamar. Like, Like Mike said, you know, teams from last year to this year, it's evident that teams plan for this man's ability to run. So exactly. All you got to do is force him to predominantly pass. Mm -hmm. And he's not going to, unless he picks up the slack and and starts improving, he's not going to be, he's not going to be as effective as the Lamar that's going to beat you with his legs. Now, I also think that, you know, with their rushing attack, I mean, I guess they could do a bit more with that because I like, you know, in the draft, 
I'm forgetting this man's name. J.K. Dobbins. Dobbins, exactly. Him and Ingram, I mean, I thought that this was going to be like a lethal rushing attack, but the simple fact is they got to be better in the past because teams are already planning for that rush attack. Yeah, for the pretty much like the wrapping up statements on this, Lamar he hasn't been as good as last year. And, yeah, I mean, their O-line is still pretty good, even though Marshall Yonda retired. He just has yeah. to be better. And the running game, you know, I mean, it's it's still good, but it's when you compare it to last year. I mean, they had they had the statistically they had the best rushing attack of all time last year in terms yeah. of the yards that they averaged per game. Mm-hmm. You know, and their defense is a little bit better this year, even though I still thought they were kind of crazy for letting Earl Thomas go. You know, he must be some really horrible teammate, <laughs> terrible person. To let him. I still think he's the best safety in the league, or at least yeah, top three. Crazy. You know, but they're they still they're still holding it down. They got three solid corners. Patrick Queen has showed some flashes, and mm-hmm. they like I said, they, this Ngakwe thing. You know, it's adding depth. They don't have to blitz as much. They don't have to rely on the blitz as much to get home. Mm-hmm. And you know, so but I still think the Chiefs are number one in the AFC. And fellas, that pretty much wraps up our first episode of the Casuals Only Football Podcast. You've been listening to Kenny C. Mike Sperans and Josh Acevedo, a.k.a. The Ace. Fellas, I'm looking forward to the second episode already. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. A, this was good. This was fun. I, like I said, I'm excited that we finally were able to do this. Super excited for the games today. Week 7, 5-0 versus 5-0. You know, <laughs> let's get it. Ace, we'll be talking about this next podcast. And I, I think my team's going to be 6-0. Uh, it's gonna it's gonna be a good show next week. That's all I'm gonna say after that Steelers Titans game. We got a bunch of good games. Excited to be back on here with Mike and Ken. Let's get it.